0: Welcome back to part B of this two-part Helpside episode with Tom Wickham. So far, TJ has taken us through the early part of his mission to play for the Kookaburras, from Alice Springs to country South Australia to Adelaide and finally to Perth. This next part is about TJ's non-linear journey to where he is today, with over 50 games for Australia, a Commonwealth Games gold medal, and his newfound role in the Kookaburras. Despite his achievements to date, there was a long hiatus between donning the Grenning gold for the first time in 2013, and his first selection in the national squad in 2017. This is a story about resilience, determination, and unwavering focus. Please enjoy. <laughs> you, you got there, you made your debut. 2013. Yeah, yeah
1: 2013, May the fifth. Um, funny story, so at the time, I used to just, I used to love running and I had this run still in the same house, but actually I was next door. Side, side story was the, the next door house was also an old weatherboard house, pretty shitty, but it was just a bit better than the one I was in. And I became quite close with the next door neighbors. And they said, oh, do you want to move in? So I moved in, got out of this other lease and literally walked all of my stuff to the next door and lived in the next door house for like the next three or four years. And I had this running track, which was like downward, like road. It was like 5.2, th- two point something K. And it was to the Maccas, up the road and back. And it was this run. And the story leading up to me debuting was I, I went, went for this run. And I used to just flog myself. Like I just didn't have an off switch of tiredness. It was just like, just keep going. And I would absolutely smash this um, run. Then I went out for a bit of a ride. I was riding the streets, cruising around. And I had this missed miss call from Gooders. Paul Goodone. Paul Goodone. And this was in the afternoon, and I was like, oh. And I'd just finished a whole, like, a day of laboring. And I was like, oh, Mr. Call, what's this? And at the time, I was in the development squad, but not full-time training the program. I would come in and out a little bit, kind of how it is now. And I got this phone call, and I missed it. And then I rang it back, and he goes, oh, mate, I'm just ring up to see if you want to come, come and train and I was like, yeah. So after all this day of just like smashing myself, fanged home, got my hockey kit on, went down to hockey. And I remember this training session, this is before this this Korean series that I debuted in, like dominating. Mm. Like, I don't know whether it was because I just didn't care and I was just running around. Mm. But I just remember smacking goals in the roof and like mm. like playing these mini games. And I just, I it wasn't the whole squad wasn't there. There was maybe about 10 blokes there. And I just remembered like, I just, Absolutely annihilated that. Mm. So you lost your scholarship in between. 2011 Didn't have an AS so AS scholarship two thousand and eleven. Yeah. Two thousand twelve was the Olympics. Yep. And they selected a um, like a development Olympic development squad which we trained alongside with. Yep. Which was super cool. Yep. Um and, and at the time of like how they did it and everything, I thought it was cool anyway. I would, mm. would have preferred to be in the senior squad but <laughs> I wouldn't have been equipped for that then. Um, and then the rest of the year after the Olympics was a little bit on and off yeah. as it normally is and yeah. then 2013 come I was selecting the development squad sure um, but not training that, all the time not like on and off yeah 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 um, through two, 2013 enough to get me by like I was training a fair bit but not in and out I can't fully remember how that was the start of that year anyway so I did this training session and I was like man, I'm I'm on here like yep what a weapon (laughs) I've solved it I've cracked the code how to dominate daily Um, and then a week later I get this phone call and I was on a job site and it was Rick Rick Charlesworth and I was like I knew I was like he's gringing me so I'm debuting in this career series like I was certain rings me up pretty short conversation as they always were with Rick but Tom you're going to make your debut in the upcoming series and I was just like I hung up and I just sat on this sat on this step at the time and I just remember sitting there going like like I'm going to play hockey for my country like this is going to happen so I rang up my mum, my dad little brother and just like was like this is what's going on like I'm, I'm playing for my country and I'm, even even still like I look back to that now and I it was such a blur because I was just not taking in the process it was just always about the end game and I wish I did take more of the process in but at the time it's just like I got to get to this goal and so I made my debut played a couple games early or mid mid 2013 and the game was a blur I remember um, (laughs) I remember wearing these ASIC shoes which I'd never worn before because they hurt my feet but I was like I'm playing for cook but it's like everyone else is wearing acid I have to wear ASIC as well and I just remember that game like running around with sore feet and blisters on the back of my feet and getting like two touches <laughs> and not really kind of comprehending the process of it but there's things I remember about it like the build up and how excited everyone was, or standing in, standing there, the national anthem, listening to the national anthem for the first time. we like, first time I put my shirt on. There's things like that I remember. But in terms of thinking about the game and how I was going to present for me, and I think a lot of the environment back then with with Rick and the way that we played it was just like compete and mm. work hard and have a crack. It's, it, 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 well, for a young bloke coming in, that's that's how it looked like at the time. Um, so I was just like, go, just go and have a crack, work work my ring out, and just see what happens. Um, and that was my debut, and then it was over, and then kind of got through thirteen, be a little bit similar, and then um, two thousand fourteen was the when that were well, they selected the World Cup squad, and I didn't didn't get picked for that. I was just made the development squad again, and again went on in and out training here and there, playing club hockey. Um, and I think at the time, like, I started to get some real frustration with, like, why aren't I progressing or why aren't I getting there? And, like, I was, I was my own worst enemy, like, 100% was, and I, and I probably didn't start to look at that later. But at the time, I was like, you can't question my work ethic. You can't question my ability to create play or score goals or, like, um, my fitness or my competitiveness or, like, My resume to just hang around like a bad fly and still be here like there's something there but most of it was in my head like just this uh, probably the ability to not take the situation in and process things and I was just on this mission and that was probably what was stopping me and then so 2014 came and and a bit of frustration and I just remember when the World Cup team was selected and again had no right to be selected um, going I have to make my club games the most important day of my week and I have to dominate every single game I was like I just have to rock up and I do and that year 2014 was the year I won the Olympians medal and I remember that year by just every game I was just like put everything into it and that's the best and fairest for the Perth for the competition. Perth competition and I was just like I have to dominate those games so whenever they can see me they're like he's playing well yeah and after uh, 2014 that was the uh, AHL was in South Australia and throughout that year I was starting to get a lot of sore like sore groins and through that period I was like running my Macca's 5 point whatever K loop it was I had another loop that was 4 K's and I was just smashing my running like I was running like a madman training with my club playing on the weekends and doing any little bit of extra hockey I could with cookers at the time And at the time, I was just like, do what I can so that I'm in the best condition I can be in. Mm. And I started to get some groin pain and to the point where I could... Like, it started to really affect me. And we played this AHL and that was when Rick had retired after the World Cup and um, POS, Graham Reid and Paul Benoign were taking over as head coach and assistant coach. And I remember... uh, having a meeting with them in adelaide in their hotel um and essentially the conversation was like we're selecting a new squad here which i think might have been your where you were selected from that show. i remember seeing you and i was like who's that little shit <laughs> running around and i they were essentially like well we're selecting a new squad you need to score goals and you need to show us that like that you deserve to be in the senior squad anything can happen from here so I went away from that, going like, okay, at the time, like, you know, South Australia is a state that it struggles because they don't have a lot of cattle. A lot of people have to relocate, and if they do, they relocate early. So that continual um, breeding of high-end hockey players isn't there, like a New South Wales or a, or a Queensland. And I moved early on as well, and we we really struggled. And I would come back from living in Perth and play in in for for. Um, South Australia and I had this meeting and I said you got to do this at the time my, my osteitis pubis was to the point where I, I wasn't able to run games out like I was like limping off the pitch and, and Tim Bass my physio at the time would just needle the hell out of me just to get me to the point where I could jog anyway so this AHL, I was I was so poor like I could, couldn't really play hockey like I was struggling and by the end of it I just ended up playing striker and standing up front and limping my way through and even still you can't even I couldn't even lunge for a ball or anything I just remember the last game walking off like limping off the pitch and I was just like I'm done like and I knew there I was like I'm not getting selected like I'm not making it and I was dropped from the development squad and didn't obviously make the senior squad and from that year on I just I was kind of like how am I going to make this like how am I going to turn this around so that I can play for Australia. Like playing for Australia, debuting for Australia is different to playing for Australia or being selected in the senior squad, being a part of the group, day in day out, working with them and building relationships and actually feeling like you're a kookaburra.
0: So when you you talk about your mission, your mission wasn't to debut for Australia? I
1: think at first it was yeah. as a youngster. Yeah. But after that, it, wasn't it, an it meant so much more. It was like, there's more to this. Like yeah. I'm not done. <laughs> And so 2015 came around, like I hadn't picked up a stick for a few months and I probably like, I started to, um, at that st- after that point, I was offered a job as, I'd done a lot of coaching in and around all these ventures and I was offered the job as a high performance coach um, at Hockey WA. And I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to step away from all this work at the time I was working for myself as a landscaper and try and build a better balance. And I think 2014 15 was when I started to really become more aware of like a holistic approach to my hockey and my game, etc. And it's been a journey. But 20, 2015 came, I took the job, I closed off all of my work and shut my ABN down and went going to focus on hockey coaching and and trying to build this way back to getting into um, playing for Australia. And then at that time when I started coaching, I was asked if I would be interested in playing hockey for WA. And at this stage, I started to build relationships with a lot of the guys that are current kookaburras now that play for WA or X. And I knew that WA had a culture very different to South Australia. South Australia relied on one or two people mm. and very much I was one of those and I embraced that and was like I'll be the guy I'll be the guy that has to take the game on when things aren't well you can rely on me and just keep pushing people WA's culture is very team based it's very about very much about um, playing your role for the team it's not about being a superstar it, it's about when you need to be a superstar and that opportunity is there then fair enough but all in all it's about doing your job and doing a job for the team and I knew at that point that's the change I needed because I wasn't going to go anywhere if I continued to play for South Australia and that wasn't South Australia's fault that was me and my makeup and and how I was and I needed to change Um, so I decided that I was going to play for WA and I know at the time very controversial Like people were like what are you doing mate like think you're coming over here. And I had to really humble myself and step back and just be a soldier and and start to to learn how to fit into a team that was a bunch of mates. And I did and I took a step back and like, you know, still being one of the strong players in my position instead of trying to be this strong player that everyone relied on. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be a striker, I'm gonna do my job and I'm gonna I'm gonna get after it and just just be a part of it. And I had a pretty good AHL selected back into... We made the final. I think we lost to Queensland 3-2 in Darwin. And um, by no means did I try and dominate or did I go out and try and be more than I had to be. I just did my role. And the reward was I, I was picked into the development squad. 2016 came around. I was like, I'm back into the development squad now. By this time, I started to really dive into like, the mental side of the game, especially with my coaching and how I started to mentor people and, and start to get more out of people by supporting them and asking questions and kind of letting the good side of me out instead of just being really tense and trying to hold it into myself. I started to kind of express it to others. And 2016 came around. Again, AHL, another solid AHL. Just went out there, did my job. We made the final and we lost to. And this was in Perth lost to uh, Victoria. Um, and from, like, that was after 2016 Olympics. And I remember a few times after putting consecutive, like, good club seasons together and then leading into 2016. And at the time, I wasn't really on the radar. I just knew that I'd done enough to kind of be seen. And because I was working in the office of Hockey WA, I was down there, everyone was doing their Olympic prep. I started to get asked to come to a few of those games and a few of the training sessions. And I was just like, no pressure on myself, but I'm merely just gonna be a number at Cooker's training. But in my head, I was like, I'm being seen, I'm working my way back into a position. And at the time, like, I was just there being a passenger and, you know, and then I remember playing a few games and i scored a few goals and I was like, okay, long-term goal here is not, I think, about 2016 Olympics. It was just about being there and being a face and just being involved in it. Mm. After that, Olympics, AHL, and then I was selected to um, play in the tournament, got selected in Senior Squad 2017. And there's a lot of lessons and things that I had to learn through that whole process, but it was quite interesting from like 2014 to 2016, just that ability to kind of go where a lot of other people have quit or been like, I had my go, that's fair enough and I was just like I'm not I'm not satisfied with what I've done and I just kept pushing forward um and yeah like now I'm in a position where I'm a part of this team that is amazing and it's probably the thing that I've chased for so long Mm. so um yeah 2017 was selected into the National Senior Squad and from there yeah it's still nice and colourful so did it feel different um I think I don't know if it felt different because I've I like I said before I had the blinkers on and I never stopped to enjoy the process so when I got there I was still like I'm still on a mission I'm still chasing something but it's like what am I chasing so yeah I think like very much now in like the last two years like Enjoying the process has allowed me to level out and be a far better person and hockey player. But once I in twenty seventeen, that's not. I was like, okay, now the next mission is to just play games, play mm. hockey. Mm. And whether the mission's the short term mission of winning the game or whatever it is, or the long term mission of playing hockey for Australia, I would never enjoy the process. It was just always about the end game.
2: Mm.
1: once you get there, like, what, what what what's left? So. Mm. I don't know if it felt different because once I got there, I was like, what now? Like next
0: thing, let's go. So, yeah. It's interesting because the, that 2014 to 16 period sounds like you took a very different approach to what you were taking before, you know? Like Mm. you were, um, it sounded like the mission was still there but your blinkers are off a bit. There are different ways to achieve what you wanted to achieve and it sounded like that period you you were really kind of figuring that out. So it's interesting that, you know, 2017, it was... Do you think you reverted
1: back to... I don't know if I reverted back. There's, just, I think, a lot of growth from, from that point of view. And then from 20... And that was where I was at come mm. 2017. But there's a lot more time in between those two years than the quick story or the, you know, 20-something years before that as well that I had the blinkers on. Mm. And, you know, even yeah. once I got there, like, you know, 2017 to mid 2018 like that year and a half I still really butted head in so many things Mm. before I actually just went like slow down and think about some stuff Mm. here Um, it's it's interesting because when I was coaching I was very good at seeing um, what a team needed or other people needed or how I could bring the best out in others but I was never doing it for myself I was always taking on everyone else's not problems but Um, problems that I could turn into a solution or support them or nudge out of them how to be better and so coaching was really good for me in that regard and it really gave me a different outlook and it allowed it leveled me in that regard but it didn't allow me to fully start to like harness like where I was at Mm. so um, that, that piece away from hockey but then what like being able to support and do things that I was probably more passionate about as opposed to landscaping um, was really good away from hockey thing. But by the time 2017 came around, it never, it wasn't fitting as well by then because now I'm in a high performance program where I'm training day in and day out and I'm worried about you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kids that are really important time of their development. And I was worried about them as much as I was trying to worry about myself. Yeah, yeah. So hockey was always 24 seven. Yeah. Um, so at 2017 came, I, I needed to be able to step away from coaching because, sure. you know, when I was coaching, it wasn't, I wasn't in a high performance program. I was just pulling opportunities from every which way I could. So once 2017 came around, I was like, I need to, I need to step away from coaching and start to worry about my own hockey. And that took me a long time because mm. I still had coaching, Tom, the coaching hat on and, you know, me, the player, and they would butt heads a lot. Mm. Um. so like, it took me a bit of figuring that it took me a year and a half to even just start to comprehend that Um. so yeah 2017 I think I was at the point where I need to be but then like I
0: needed further growth to sure start to push where I am sure so, and did you learn a little bit more about your your body you spoke about your osteitis pubis mm-hmm. which is a horrible injury you don't want that yeah I think I look back like I, I think
1: s- you know, when, I, when I look back on it now, I think a lot of like those early, you know, mid, mid-teens, mid early, early 20s of me pushing hard physically have allowed me to stay in the game so that now as I get older and I start to be more switched on to a holistic point of view of my hockey, it's allowed me to put money in the bank and allowed me to focus more on other areas. Um, I never had an issue drop like or the drive to want to be fitter or better or faster or whatever I needed to be. And I think if I didn't have that piece, then like maybe I'd be paying for it now. So, you know, I was really fortunate and never got injured up until mid 2019 Mm. when I tore my calf. Before Mm. that, I didn't know really what an injury was apart from OP Mm. and that was an overuse thing. Mm. So I was like, okay, overuse, just do less of what you're doing. Mm. And that was kind of how I looked at it. Mm. Someone gave me some exercises to do. I'd just overdo it just to make it stronger, and all I would do it. I would do it. But so, I never really had to listen to my body because I was just like, go, like, have a crack, get stronger, get faster, get better. You know, I started just loving going to CrossFit just because I could just smash myself and get fit. You know, and then I would start cycling, and then I would start running, and then I'd take in hockey. And the overuse thing, I think. Like, yeah, I had to step back and have a bit of a think about it. And then again, so I had it, I had actually had that in 2010 when I played that on 20 wins tournament. And because I was guided by the physio at the time, Tim Bass, he was able to help me. 24 comes around, I wasn't locked into a program. I was in sassy, but I wasn't under the skin of um, like a physio at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't have someone. So I would just be in and out of seeing the HA doctor as a development squad player and it was a bit inconsistent. Whereas now, all those, I think I've done the, done the work that's allowed me and my body to be, have a capacity to not try and go so hard physically, mm. but just sustain it, but now work more mentally or like on the technical side of the game or whatever that is. Um, so as I look at it now, I go, well, I'm glad I was wired like that because it allowed me to just put the money in the bank without really having to try. Mm. Some people hate it. Some people aren't about fitness or don't want to be like that. Um, You know, and and as you get older, you start to learn more and more. And, you know, COVID taught me that my body still doesn't react that great to just road running unless I've built up a resilience to it because we don't do that. But what it allowed me to do is get back on the bike and stimulate that side of me that wants to push and have a crack and just dive into i don't know like being a sicko and hurting (laughs) but in a different way which didn't affect my hockey and affect overloading my calves or my groin so you get smarter and you get better understanding about what you're doing and how you go about it 2017 i would have been still like yeah i was still going for secret runs and like still trying to smash it and be really fit and As you get older, you start to go, well, that's not helping anything because it's just making me tired, which is not allowing me to perform on the pitch. Mm. So long way around that answer, I think naturally just happened and and was blessed that I kind of had to fight for things. So I'd just go for runs and
0: deal with it that way. Gotcha. Mm. I want to come back to this mission because um, (laughs) I think it's probably fair to say that you're playing the best hockey You've ever played at the moment in really good form you've amassed over 50 caps in the last couple of years just from consistency basically how's that mission changed and do you do you think that it's contributed to this uptick in form would you say you are playing better do you, do you yeah do you absolutely it? and yeah i
1: appreciate that um you also get it i think just on that you you know when you're when you're playing well, you know when you're playing well. You know when you're not. You know when you're in and around it. Mm. Um, and that forms came in and around where I had to really start to think about things. And I share this story because I think this was the biggest. ever again, the stars aligned, or the world, or the I got told this saying: the universe gives you what you need at the right time, or when you need it. And I needed this kick up the bum, but. No one's ever questioned my ability to work or be resilient and just keep going. Mm. No one's ever really questioned, and when you get to know me, I'm sure from the outside people are like, God, he's intense and like, he's just like, he's on and he's about himself. But once you get to know me, it's very much about like, just wanting to do the best for everyone. As I got older, it's very much early days, it was like, not everyone can play for Australia, so I'll be that guy as I started to get older I started to look at it like this is our mission this is what we're doing winning a tournament winning a game what our game plan is I'm going to help everyone do that and I would take on too much and so no one's ever questioned those side that side of me but what I was doing was doing trying to do too much and this is when I say before about you know 2017 to probably probably more like start of 2019 I was like I'm here now Now I'm just going to like, now, now's my chance to like dominate and just Mm. have a crack and, Mm. and, you know, drive everyone training and, you know, make people do what they need to do, like force, not force, but like show you that this is how we do it. This is how we go about it. And that would then drip feed down into games of me, you know, worrying about, as a centre striker, worrying about if the left half's marking or are they in the correct positions only or like Moose at centre half, like what are you doing, mate? Like you why aren't you calling me? Or like and worrying about what everyone else was doing and not worry about myself. And one of the great pieces of that, and this is where I said the, the athlete and the coach would fight is I was having this holistic look at what was going on and great that I could see it and great that I understood it. But I was I was doing it for everyone else, not for me. And when you flip that and you go, okay, if I have this um, understanding of the game and the ability to do all these things that I can see or I can understand, but then I go and worry about everyone else, not myself, I'm not executing it. So I've got to be able to take all that knowledge and narrow my focus into doing my role. Mm. And that came probably start of 2019. And I remember, so end of 2019 was World Cup. Prior to that, Tore my calf, re-tore it a few times. World Cup wasn't wasn't on the table anymore. Come 2019, is that right? No, 2018. End of 2018. 2018, sorry. Start of 2019, I was like, okay, got out of that, let's go. Mid-2019, tore my calf again. Opposite calf. And then that was, so that was about six or seven weeks prior to pro league final when the boys went to Europe and I was like great here we go again. another great like like marker for me to get selected have a crack you know do what i got to do to push myself forward didn't happen was coming in and out of that and again like at the time I'd played I reckon two weeks of hockey and was playing so timid and scared that I was going to ping another calf that I don't think I would have been anywhere near physically mm. like, or in my own mental state to, to perform there anyway yeah.
0: I'm going to stop TJ there and remind you all about an episode we did not too long ago with current hockey brew, Jane Claxton. Here's Jane Claxton in episode 16 of The Help Side. There are a lot of things about being an athlete and we've covered a few of them um, that people don't see. What would you say the most difficult thing about being an athlete is that, that people might not know about?
3: Um, difficult thing, I think it's... Just the daily daily training environment. I think, unfortunately for the Hockey Roos, we probably haven't had as much. Oh, we can we get compared to the golden era of the Hockey Roos where they're winning everything, winning medals, um, winning it's every tournament bar. they pretty much attend. And it's a high bar to reach and you will always get compared to that. And for some, and I think also like whenever you're looking back on something, the bar just keeps rising. And so I don't think we'll ever meet the bar um, because people just keep extending it and suddenly they're like superheroes and you can never obtain it so um by that aspect I don't think um we'll ever reach the end goal but definitely I think the um this recent especially my involvement in the program we probably have underperformed but like I don't think people see the daily training toll and how much effort and time you put into it and then you go away from a tournament and you lose a few games and then suddenly you're in the bottom five and people got up, are wanting Wanting heads on the chopping block, saying, "Oh, the coach isn't doing their job. This person shouldn't be in the team," and having their opinion on selection. But what they don't understand is actually, like, those girls are the best in the squad. But yeah, we we went away and we didn't perform. But damn, we put in a lot of effort on the daily daily training environment. So I think it's that the fact that people only see a snippet of what we are, but we're just so much more. And we we have we put invest so much time into. This one job we have, and yeah, we go away and maybe we don't perform or maybe we do, um, but that's only what people see. And so it's so incredibly hard when you see those comments on social media and or comments on newspaper articles and things like that, where people are like questioning the coaching style or the selections and telling people they other people should be selected. It's so hard because you know how much each individual athlete puts into their role and so that's definitely the hardest part I think
0: Plenty of that and more in episode 16 of The Help Side with Jane Claxton but now let's get back to TJ Then
1: we went away to Tokyo and we had that couple weeks and I got back from that and Brian Fitzpatrick who's our, our culture coach I had a couple of weeks before that, I had a conversation with um, Batchy and, and Potsy. And after that, I had this conversation with Fitzy. We're actually sitting right here at my table, having this conversation over Zoom. And he said, you're doing too much. You're trying to be the guy. You're trying to be the game. You're trying to make the game. And I was like, really taken back. I was like, hang on, mate. Like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm totally not. He goes, you're trying to do everyone's job for him. I was like, I was like, what? Like, real like backup straight away. I was like, hang on a minute, mate. He's like, yeah. He said, you, you're trying to make the game, be the guy, and do everything all at once. And I was like, hang on, Fitzy, like, just listen to my point of view for a second. And at the end of the day, that was his perspective. Like he thought that and that's what it looked like. And I look at it now and you know, as the story develops, we'll, it'll come out. But I was like, hang on mate, like my perspective is that I'm trying to do my best for everyone. Mm. Like I, I care and I want, it. I want the best for everyone. Mm. He's like, yeah, I know that, but you, you, you're trying to be the guy. Like just straight out, blunt as hell. I was like, Jesus, okay. Like real, real annoyed. And he goes, the way it's going, if you don't make a change, you're you're not going to be here anymore. Like, next year's Olympics, and, and you're currently not on that fold. You're not even, you're not even close. And I was like, hang on, mate. Like, I score goals, I create opportunity, I'm well liked. I've got I've got some great mates. Like, what are you talking about? Like, and I and I'm I'm on a mission. Like, I care. Like, we're all in this. He's like, I know. He goes, I know. And they're all great. It's great. But it's just like this. It's more of like an intuition of like, there's something holding this guy back. Mm. And I was like, whatever, fit like so annoyed. <laughs> I was so, so pissed. And I hung up from that phone. I, I, I rang up Candice, my partner, and I was like, have a go at this. Like, I was fucking fuming. I was like, <laughs> how dare you tell me that I'm doing too much when like, I care. Like, mm. I care and you're telling me. I. Anyway, and I sat on it a few days and I was like, oh man, like, I don't know, it kind of all just clicked. Or like, I think of it as like, you know, when your parents say something, or your old man says like, mate, and then when you're older, you understand. <laughs> it's like, you're only ready to learn something when you're ready to learn it. Yep. And it clicked. And this was like, it all just happened at once. And it was, this was the moment where I was like, I, I need to step back. And just start to worry about myself more or, or, or maybe care more about myself. Like I was, it seemed like I cared about myself. But it was more that I cared about everyone else that I just become so uptight and frustrated that it's like, why isn't everyone else getting on board here? And so I started to like, I, I really started to go, like, what what do I, like, what do I need to do? Like, um, Fitzy calls it, like he calls it his three three things as what you are. You're either a game breaker, so someone that can break the game open and, and create something. Be like you with your speed, your ability to break a line. You're either a playmaker, someone like Moose or Weddy who can create an opportunity to put someone away. And then you've got your job doers, who are as just important. And at the time, he called me a job doer. I was like, man, I'm a job doer. Like... What do you mean? I'm just a standard old job doer. I trap the ball, pass the ball. Trap the ball, score a goal. And I was like, how do I just be a job doer? <laughs> <laughs> and like, I started to, to think about what that looked like. And and I was like, okay, well, I've been moved around as a, a midfielder, attacking midfielder, striker, and then get played different roles. And I get paid as like the single am few years like throughout 2017 and you know, and again it comes back to that point of view of me trying to do everything is like I remember sitting down with batch and saying do you want me to be a midfielder or do you want me to be a striker he's like I just want you to be a good hockey player I just want you to be the best you can be like it doesn't matter where I put you you need to be able to play and I was like so you know jack of all master of none type thing and I was like alright I'll just be better than the Rams. start trying to do everything for the team, but because it's, like it's, it's in my nature to just want to have a crack and just mm-hmm. do. And so like, how am I going to be just a job doer? Like, what are you talking about? So then I kind of sat down and I looked at it and I was like, well, if I can be a world-class job doer, if I can be the best job doer in the world, all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm a valuable piece to this team. Like mm-hmm. I'm as important. And it wasn't about me having importance, but I was like, this is what I want to do, and this is how I need to figure out how I'm going to fit into this team. We can't all be the same, we can't all have the same thing. So I stopped thinking about like everything, and I was like, I'm just going to worry about me. I'm just going to, like not selfishly to the point where I don't care about anyone else, but I'm going to worry about my job. It's not my job to run back if Tom Craig doesn't run back mm. and I run back for him and then he's out the back and he scores the goal and Tom looks like, my job is to do my job.
2: Mm.
1: I'll do my job really well. So I just like, it started um, at Hockey One last year. I I, I was like, I'm just going to play my job and that was a really... Interesting time to try and start doing it because you're playing with a bunch of people, especially a young group of men. Like the team had really shifted from what WA was when I played mm. and before I'd playing against them for South Australia to now. How is I gonna do my job? So I was playing up front in a in, in absolutely a weaker team. We've got a younger th- how am I gonna get the ball to do what I need to do? How am I gonna score goals or create opportunity or do these things? And I had to just keep checking myself and go, just do your job. So when the ball comes, do what you need to do with it. It doesn't mean when the ball comes, I have to come through people, score goals because we're down 2-1. Mm. It just means whatever I need to do at that moment, make the right decision. If that is, have a crack, have a crack. If it's pass the ball back, if it's whatever it is, just do your job. And so I just kept saying this over and over, do your job, do your job, do your job. And throughout that tournament, there are little moments like where you, you go for a little solo or you want to have a bit of a tickle and everyone and it happens and sometimes you need that and, and that's that piece of you that game break or that um, feeling or the intuition inside of you where it says like this is what I need to do mm. um, and so I was like I'm just going to do my job just keep doing my job then Oceana came around I was like, just keep doing my job just keep doing my job 2020 comes around and I'd written down three things that I wanted to work on and one of them was just my mindset and be world class at doing my job Mm. like don't get caught up in doing everything else and then I was and then as it starts to develop you go okay how do you do your job but then use all those things that you see that I used to just try and get people to do so for instance we score a goal we run back to halfway line and often our centre half or someone free defender will call kind of what we're doing Instead of me running back from halfway line going, oh, boys, yeah, full press, yeah, let's do this. We're having a crack. Instead, it would be like, run back, moose, what are we doing? So that's triggering him to do his job. Yeah. And then I just forget it. Yeah. So it's way more clean. It's way more defined. And I just think, well, what's, how can I help our leader do what he does? Well, it allows me to use my brain and the things that maybe he's like, in, at the time, not thinking of. Mm. I say, Weddy, center half. Weddy, what are we doing? We full press or we out? Yeah, we're full press. Great. Now I know as a centre striker, all I have to do is my job, which Mm. is what I do. Mm. I don't have to be focused about over my right shoulder. I'm just gonna be focused about. I'm the highest person on the pitch. I need to be focused about what I'm doing. I'm doing my job. So I just keep. I come back to to do my job and do my job really well. And from that, now I'm starting to become a valuable piece because I execute. I'm not thinking about. I have to make this trap. I'm not thinking about like everything else. Mm. And now when I'm playing hockey. I literally just, I don't write down and make my traps today or get in dangerous goal scoring positions to do this. I know because I can see the game mm. that I'm going to do that.
2: Mm.
1: What I now just say to myself is take a breath, relax your shoulders, like just relax because it just takes me out of the game and it allows me to take in information and the information that I've given myself will allow me to just play hockey and do my decision. Mm. I don't need to learn how to trap, I don't need to learn how to do this or have a goal shot. If I give myself the right information, I'll make the right decision. If you flip that, when I'm talking about someone else getting to the far post and you get here and we swing the ball around the back so I can get the ball, all this, I ain't thinking about, I'm not taking in knowledge, I'm just taking in and commentating the game. Mm. So great that I know all that, but how do I use it for me? And Mm. so that last year and a half has been a real journey on how I just do my job and if that's what it is if it's me just being a world class job doer I'm just as important as the world class game breaker mm. and you know the playmaker. Mm. because their job is to do what they need to do mm. if Weddy tried to be a job doer we wouldn't get his ability to be short and nifty and mm. in and around the pitch and then put someone away if you tried to just be a trap trap bang or present it wouldn't work for you so how do how do you become the best at what you do and I've just totally shifted my thinking about that from day in, day out, training, and just flipped my mindset to just take a breath, relax, and what will be, will be. Mm. And the last year, like, like I said, you're only ready to learn it when you're ready to learn it. Last two years, have just been, just do
0: your job, Tom. Mm. <laughs> That's brilliant. I think, yeah, elite sport is just a, it's a fascinating environment, really, because you were 29 when you took on that lesson. 20 yeah early 29 Yep. unbelievable been in elite sport your entire life yeah at 29 and as I said like it's the benefits are there for all to see I want to um, just move on I mean your story is spellbinding really it's fascinating and I think one of the big reasons I love doing this podcast is that everyone's completely different and um, a story like that just doesn't doesn't come around too often so it's been an honour to just sit here and listen to it but um, I do have one question. The to the kid who was running amok, wreaking havoc, wherever he might be, Freeling Alice, is there anything you'd say to him, or do you think everything's turned out the way it should?
1: Yeah, I would say some things, but I think I look, I look at my life and my career, and I wouldn't, I would never change it because it's made me who I am, and it's. Um, it's allowed me to have a perspective that I don't think most people would have, um, setbacks and, and the ability to keep getting back up. And, and it sounds cliche, and get up and fight, keep fighting and keep working hard, but there's so many moments where if you just stop and do give into that, then you're not going to get where you want to go. So I wouldn't change it and I wouldn't, you know, I could be, if I came into the program when I first did 2011 and was still there, yeah, I could be a two hundred game hockey player, but I wasn't ready to learn, and I needed to go through that path to be the hockey player I am now. Whereas someone else needed to take their path, so I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything. But if I was to say something that I would just I would say to slow down and enjoy the process, like enjoy the process instead of just thinking of like. Have a goal, but work hard on the process, not, yeah. not, the, not the end game. Because you need that end game that's going to drive you and push you. But if you don't take in how you get there and respect it and enjoy it, like you've really done it for nothing. Mm. Um, let's, let's say, for instance, like the highest achievement that you could do, you get there and you do it. And you look back and you're like, I hated that. And there's so many people that say that versus being able to sit back and take in those lessons and, and live it and learn it and everything that's crazy and mad about your life that's that's the true piece that you need to be happy with because the t- life goes on mm. so yeah enjoy the process and not get so caught up on the end game
0: we usually finish this um, show with a couple of quick questions I know you're a, you're a listener so you'd know that absolutely <laughs> But um, just before I do, speaking of top of trade, if I can just say, um, I think the most beautiful thing about our chat in the last hour and a half and where you've been and where you are now is the fact that for the first hour you spoke about my mission and then as soon as it came to 2017, 18, 19, 20, it was about our mission and what we're trying to do and I think that just encapsulates you as a teammate and we love that and respect it. Anyway, we'll move on. Quick questions. Best player you've ever played with?
1: I knew you were going to ask me this. <laughs> you've prepared. It's quite, quite. I think, and obviously as you would have figured out when I never just get straight to the point, I like to dance around it. Um, this quick. I, I would say Ed, Eddie Ockenden. Um, his ability to just be many things is quite incredible. His longevity, um, his ability to play multiple positions, I think his well-roundedness, his ability to lead quietly, um, him as a person, like that, he's he's a well rounded person, and um, sometimes you could go without even noticing him again, but then other days you're like, well, where did that come from? Mm. And we see that every day at training. Mm. So, yeah. best player I've
0: ever played with. The interesting thing when I was thinking about when you were talking about the three roles game breaker, um, game playmaker, just, just all of them. Yeah, <laughs> so I, was, I was like, yeah, 50, he, why can't I be all <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's just whatever, whatever but that's what makes him play. so special right I okay. agree best player you've ever played against yeah again quite an interesting career of many
1: different things um, I can't say either, so you can't I think recent terms internationally and I don't think uh, I'd say probably Arthur Doren. I think as a someone in the last probably year or two he's he's definitely figured out how to do his trade and, and have his impact on the game but I would still say I've faced far more far harder defenders like I don't come up against him one on one because he's mm. often playing free he's a like more with his on ball mm. his ability to do things Um but yeah I mean it's hard when you say play with and against because like play with a lot of people there's, a, there's a, some amazing hockey players that like I think that playing mm. like for South Australia against like someone like Fergus Kavanaugh or mm. Ed <laughs> um, you know there's some there's some amazing defenders that I've had try. Swanee like he's a whole another package in his own he's different he's small so he does do things differently mm. there's some amazing defenders that you come up against that you go how am I going to tackle this puzzle <laughs> so yeah there's a tough few tough
0: question. what about toughest competitor like you played striker for a, a large portion of your career And like back in the day, Australia was very much a man-to-man physical confrontation, especially domestically. But there are other countries who play that style as well. Is there one person in particular who've been marked by? And it was a battle. This I'm gonna
1: totally flip this on its head. This I would say probably from a a club perspective, and I say this because club is a lot harder to. You you often find yourself being tagged in club games. Mm. And when you do that at in an international level, you just get chopped up because mm. everyone is, you play together every day, you, things change. It. Mm. But I'd say some of my best battles, and he's going to froth this, <laughs> would be probably bring the best okay. Like playing one-on-one against him against the Wasps is it's quite clear that his job is to just make my life hell. Mm. Like they'll have the ball and he will just push and shove and stop my run. And, and like I said, at a club level, that works really well because you can't, connect as well as what you would internationally and he I, I would say in the recent few years some of the hardest battles I've had or less, least impact on games would be against
0: wasps from Best. brilliant that's a good answer look probably. him up if anyone knows him <laughs> <laughs> um, and last last question um, you speak about the interesting thing is that Moritz um, star in his episode he spoke about the importance of having a fire within you all the time and i think um yeah if i think about you i would say that's that's always present and and speaking putting words to that your mission our mission etc it makes a lot of sense but um what would you say to someone who's struggling to find that that fire, or had it once but no longer or is in a lull because covid can be a tricky time you know like you're in a you're in a rhythm you're in a routine you've got drive all of a sudden for a lot of people that was taken away from them but how do you keep your fire burning? What would you say to someone to ignite their fire or reignite their fire? Um,
1: I suppose I... Like we, Whatever it is, it could be big or small, but for me, like, we are in such a privileged position. I'm in such a privileged position. And if... Like you you can't take it for granted and if it means enough to you, you'll find a way. And I think of like I think of even the last 10 years of my hockey career being at this level. There's been so many people that have come and left before me and I've just found a way to stay. Mm. And it's been in me because like I care enough about something that I'm going to make it happen. Now, whatever that is for that person... You, you it's either going to mean enough for you that you're going to continue to fight or not give up or it won't and if it does mean enough to you you will find a way so it's probably not inspiring but like for me hockey has given me my life and what it has and kept me in a position of sanity I don't know and maybe insanity <laughs> but for me like hockey is my life and it's given me this force and it's now allowed me to start to help people and make people better and that makes me better so Put it into perspective about where your position is and like there's always someone doing it worse than you and do you really have a reason to complain or, or figure out a solution to the problem? Mm. Um, it's very easy for people to find a problem instead of a solution. Mm. So find the solution, not the problem. It's
0: good. We'll leave it there. Awesome, mate. Thank you. I appreciate it and thanks for the coffee as well. Pleasure. That's it for another episode of The Help Side. Special thanks to my production team of David Moore and Tim Collier, plus countless others working behind the scenes to get this to you. You're the real MVPs. Again, if you're liking the show, please like, subscribe, you know the drill, and get in touch with us via our socials. We would love to hear from you. Anyway, that's all, folks. See you next week.